dump. News dump, yay! News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a landslide! It's the final dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. A somewhat more downbeat, maybe even somber edition, at least recap-wise, of the final dump. Brendan Dworzynski and Matt Freilich here with you. The final dump, of course, brought to you by Game On Wisconsin. Not exactly where we thought we would be as we get ready for the Week 2 contest between the Packers and the Lions coming up on Monday night. So an extra day to gear up for this Week 2 divisional matchup and the home opener for the Packers as well. But Matt, to be completely blunt, you and I last week were both so confident that this was going to be a Packers win and really an impressive win. We both were convinced that the offense was going to be fine against a banged up defense. The defense would hopefully be okay to keep the Saints at bay throughout the night. Just what were the thoughts? What still are the thoughts with several days now to kind of look back and think about what unfolded? What are your kind of thousand foot view thoughts on the game a few days out? Because for me, I'm still almost confused more than anything about what we saw confusion i think is a fair fair feeling to have i feel like speculation is a cousin of you know optimism like there's always that potential of just like greatness but then like the second cousin second cousin of speculation is just an absolute firestorm is what happened on sunday and i think just there's been so much build up to this first game that or especially even just to see 12 back out on the field and all these starters coming back. It was, it was quite a letdown to be honest, the, the airs out of my sails. And I, it wasn't like a normal blowout for the Packers. Cause like, it's so early on in the season, you still feel optimistic. They can turn it around. And I think that'll happen. And this could just be because a lot of starters didn't play, but confusion just based off of how it was trending. Right. We saw that like the, the, the saints kept getting banged up throughout the week. Their secondary was, it looked like, complete shambles outside of Marshawn Lattimore but it it was it was a tough one to swallow that you know the 38 to 3 I don't think necessarily explains how the game actually went down a lot of short fields Jameis throws for five touchdowns less than 150 yards so I think confusion is a great great emotion to have but it's it's time to rebound and time to bounce back and we gotta we gotta get into this and talk about the the MNF game coming up obviously on Monday And that's what makes this week so weird. You know, as a fan, you have the week after a loss and depending on how emotionally invested you get for three to three and a half hours any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday, it kind of messes with your week. Like, oh, man, that was a bummer. Looking forward to what's next. And now you got to hear about, especially when you've got a team with a superstar quarterback and a team that's expected to win. If you pay attention to sports media at all, the the ESPNs or Fox or whatever, you hear all the, well, what's wrong with Rodgers? What's wrong with the Packers? That's the annoying part for me about a loss is I love to consume that stuff. And outside of game on doing that for work, I mean, I consume a ton of that and to then be subjected to a week of, well, what's wrong? What happened? That always kind of sucks. But this week does just feel sort of different. And we talked about this on last week's show going into week one that we heard from Devontae Adams. He said, this is the hungriest team that I've ever been around. Okay, great. We see that 27 different guys on the roster get a teammate vote for captaincy. Like, oh, wow, lots of leaders. Great. There was even drama about guys who didn't get picked as captains. Like the thing you would think would be completely meaningless ends up being a thing because Darius Smith seemed a little miffed that his teammates didn't vote for him. Like, okay, so many different guys on this team who can step up and be leaders. You've had this whole off season. Rogers is back, like you mentioned. And it just sort of, the, the balloon just popped. It just sort of melted down. And 
like you said, I think you phrased it perfectly. The, the wind kind of gets taken out of your sails. And that leads into this week. Not only are you dealing as a fan and as a player, too, because we know the players pay attention to, to the press clippings or to what's going on on TV or whatever, at least to a certain degree. Not only do you deal with that usual news cycle after a loss, but you also deal with just what is going on? Like, why did that specific set of outcomes happen if this team has so many leaders and veterans and is supposed to be a Super Bowl contender and is as hungry as ever, as Devontae Adams said, you just wonder why. And I think that leaves this game on Monday night. You would think, okay, the Lions, they're not going to be any good this year. They do not have a good roster at all. Dan Campbell, who knows if he's going to end up being a good coach and who knows what Jared Goff can do as a quarterback when his head coach is not Sean McVay, who's essentially playing Madden and just having Jared Goff be his, his virtual quarterback. I mean, that's essentially what that offense has been since McVay took over out in Los Angeles. But there's so much more to it. And I don't mean to make it a, a huge deal first two weeks of the season, the longest NFL season of all time, but there really is kind of an air of, all right, so many things went wrong that you kind of feel the need to get things righted. And to be fair, there's probably no better option in the league except maybe Jacksonville than Detroit to get the ship righted against. It's not it's not a bad team to go up against, right? Unfortunately, like you look at the the game that the the Lions played at home versus the Niners week 1, you didn't get a lot to look at because Niners got out super early. Jared Goff threw it 57 times. I want to say the the Lions didn't even run the ball more than I think they what they ran it 24 times total, which almost seems like a lot based off of him throwing it 57 times. So they had the ball quite a bit. It's it's one of those games though for them where you look at it and it's I think I don't know who it was this week on Pat McAfee, but they talked about how it takes a couple weeks just to get teams figured out, right? It and that's and that's across the board. It's it's tough to it's really tough as a defense to be able to adjust to what an offense is doing when you only have tape for 60 minutes and when it's the Lions tape, you're looking at it like that. That's it, a it's an inconsistent game. It's kind of an outlier. Like Jared Goff, I, I'm sure, has never thrown for 57 times, even when he was with the Madden scheme that he was was with with Sean McVay. So I think it's a good bounce back game. Being at home on Monday Night Football does add a little bit more pressure, but it might be the pressure that they needed if they are this hungry team, as Devonte Adams said, which kind of almost contradicts itself. Like if this is the hungriest team. Devontae Adams has ever been on his professional career of eight years, but to come out flat as hell versus the Saints, like something doesn't jive there. Either Devontae Adams has a different perception or all the other guys in the locker room, which I think is more of the case. A lot of these guys maybe had an ego going into it like, hey, we're playing against Jameis Winston. They got a banged up offense. Their defenses got some holes, got some decent pass rushers. Those guys were great in this game. And I think it's just it's humbling is really what it kind of comes down to. It, It humbled a lot of dudes. I think some of our question marks as Packer fans being the offensive line were really, really exploited. Interesting to see what they do the rest of the week with those matchups. I don't know if there's a a great plan B when it comes to Royce Newman, when it comes to, you know, I think Josh Myers played fine, but Royce Newman's probably the one you want to circle there. So it's, I think it's a good get back to basic game. You have that extra week of prep right now, which is, or excuse me, that extra day of prep. I think that helps a ton. And you're going up against a coach and Dan Campbell who, under the bright lights of Lambeau Field, Monday Night Football might be a little bit rattled. Maybe not, won't be hitting his mark as on those uh, those kneecaps as much as he's like. Maybe he's going for quads, maybe the calves at some point. I don't want to get too into meathead take territory here because one of the things I hate the most in terms of analysis or in terms of evaluation of a game really doesn't matter what sport, what level it is. 
is the concept of they just wanted it more like that whole concept and that whole talking point drives me crazy because I think it's way too reductive for these guys who do so much preparation. And and I just think that it's a very reductive way to look at a game. But that being said, you look at the way that Lions game unfolded last week. And I thought the 49ers, when they got out to when it was 31 to 10 or something like that, I mean, they were cruising. They took their foot off the gas. And as much as I hate to ever give credit to the Detroit Lions, credit to the Detroit Lions because they fought and gave it everything they had for the entire duration of that game. And they come back with 16 points in under two minutes at the end of the game. They come within an onside kick of maybe having a chance to actually tie the 49ers who looked unstoppable for more than a half of that contest. And you contrast that to what the Packers did where it was a lot like a lot of the losses that you've seen during the Matt LaFleur era where The team goes down early, they get punched in the mouth, and then they don't get up off the mat. And I thought that had kind of faded away with time last season. Because you think of losses like the game against the Colts, where the Packers fought. Because losses before that, the Tampa Bay game during the regular season, for example, or several games during the 2019 season, the Packers would again get punched in the mouth and they would just have no answer. And and they seemed like front runners, to be honest. And I thought that started to fade away last year. That Colts game, I think, was a good example. The NFC Championship game, I think, was a good example of that, too, because it was a fight until the very end, even after pretty much everything possible in terms of shit that could happen during the game ended up hitting the fan. How are you going to respond to this game? Because if you don't go out there and actually have attention to detail and actually be committed to playing the game for 60 minutes, this Detroit team showed they might not be good, but they're going to try. I mean, they're like a, a gritty high school team in that regard. And I honestly mean that as a compliment that they're going to take advantage of you. If you slip up the 49ers almost had that happen. You just can't let that happen if you're the Packers this week. But that brings me into something in terms of what's actually going on on the field that I wanted to bring up. And I think there were a lot of talking points this past week about, well, where's Aaron Jones? Why don't Aaron Jones touch the ball five times? Why did the Packers completely give up on the running game? Where was the motion? That has been such a big part of this offense, the jet motion, everything in the the Shanahan-McVay system and LaFleur system, of course, in turn, it depends so much on that jet motion, that orbit motion, something to get defenses moving out of place, set up the offense how you want. It was not existent. This team is supposed to be running the ball to set up the offense. It was non-existent. What to you, Matt, that was missing from week one? And it could be offensively, it could be defensively for that matter, because, oh boy, that unit's got some issues as well. What do you think the most this team needs to bring back and re-emphasize in the game plan for week two against the Lions? I think it's discipline, really. Like, I, I look defensively, and there was oftentimes, I don't think Jameis Winston's the most unathletic quarterback, but he's no... You know, he's no Lamar Jackson. We saw on Monday night have a great game. Like he, But when he's running away from dudes that are like Rashawn Gary, who I know is athletic enough probably to chase him down or at least go step for step for him, but he's just out of position. Like that was a big thing to me. I think just discipline all around. We saw that with, you know, the offensive line. We saw that with some of maybe what Aaron Rodgers was doing, a little bit on that play action rollout where they, they get Tanyan running across the opposite side of the line and they usually dump it out. That 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 wasn't really there. And even though it was there, it was a little bit late. I think it's just a discipline thing. And you look at that offensive, you know, setup like you're talking about. The Packers really only—they only ran the ball 15 times. One of those was Randall Cobb. I mean, Kylan Hill had the same amount of carries as Aaron Jones, and I know those are garbage time carries, but I was 
really, really miffed going back and looking at the game and being like, wow, they really didn't do this jet sweep as much as they thought. And, and, and looking from the you know outside, it looks like they had all those pieces in play to, to start this year. They have, you know, I don't think Amari Rodgers is really going to get into that offense going. He had one target this year, or excuse me, in, in game one. So, but I, I think that was just another piece, or maybe it's MVS running that that jet motion, and or it's Kylan Hill or Aaron Jones, but that, that wasn't there, and it's tough to really establish the run when you're down early. That can be a really, really daunting task if you're a coach or an offensive coordinator because you're already down a couple scores. You're trying to get the ball back. You have 12 who can throw it up to 17 at any point and turn it from a two-score game to a one-score game, and that that is tough to really, really establish a run, especially if your offensive line is getting blasted like it wasn't. There really was never. You don't want to be. You don't want to be an analytics person or just a. Okay, we have to get to this threshold of runs. We have to get to six runs by the end of the first half. We got to get to fifteen runs by the end of the you know second quarter. Whatever the case may be, like I don't think you want to be into that narrative because I know I think like a Matt Nagy's of the world he gets kind of ridiculed for that of making. Okay, I checked the box, but it's like it's not working. So let's maybe just scrap that and do what actually is working and try to get back in this ball game. So. I would say the creativity on offense is number one, uh, or at least alongside with what you're saying. And the number, my number one, I guess, would be just that discipline. I think that was that lacked. You saw Kevin King kind of lack some discipline there on the deep ball to, to Harris towards the end of the game when it was, it was kind of a garbage time touchdown. But I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse, honestly. Adam Trotman had a couple of drops. We talked about him uh, previewing this game. I mean, there, it's it's kind of hilarious when you look at the people that went off. Alvin Kamara, for God's sakes, only had one touchdown, and that was in the air. Like he didn't. He didn't run for 100 yards. It's just it's it's a it was a wild game statistically to look at from the Packers. And I think it's I want to throw it out the window. But at the same point, you got to look and see like, okay, take the statistics aside. Like, what did they do well? What didn't they do well? And I think just like basic football fundamentals was was not there. And they need to have that. And you mentioned that perfect. Like the Lions are kind of a cast of hodgepodge characters, right? They have some outcast dudes. They have a, a defense that may be good. The offense is pretty suspect. but if they can hang in there against a Lions team, or excuse me, a Niners team who's known to running the rock, right? They are like one of those teams that is just naively, we're going to run the ball. It doesn't matter who it is. We have a backfield of running backs. They showed it in week one that we can just continuously pound the rock. And if if you're able as a defense in an offense to just be like, you know what? We're getting our butts kicked right now. We are getting ran on, but we're down 31 to, 31 to 10, and we're going to still still try to win like that that says a lot about what dan campbell's been able to rally those guys around in his first game like that i think that says a lot to what the the players believe in dan campbell and unfortunately the packers didn't have that same fight so i am a little concerned if the packers do get down early what the fans will sound like in lambo i mean i could i can imagine the boos and the jeers are going to be a little bit i guess a quicker trigger come monday night so let's let's hope that doesn't happen right away but i i fully expect the packers to rebound here and do do what they do well, right? Get those guys in motion. I would love to know why they didn't do more of that. It, it really makes no sense to me. All I can chalk it up to is that the they got down early and the offensive line was struggling, and therefore it's it's tough to run that when if there's penetration up the middle. But overall, I would say just discipline. They, you need to get back to basic football and doing what your job is because it's the ultimate team sport. And if one guy doesn't do it, the other 10 guys are going to, even if they're great at what they're doing, it's going to fail. For me, I think the number one thing in terms of scheme and game plan is I think you need to find a way to get Aaron Jones the ball more. And I know Mm -hmm. that this franchise does everything it possibly can and limits his snaps to the chagrin of fans all the time because they are worried about his long-term health and making sure he is available to play 
for a full 17 games and into the postseason. I understand that, but I'm not really worried about that in the first week of the season, especially when he's getting a total of seven touches. Like, I don't think you've quite hit the threshold for, ooh, do we need to be worried about his durability? He can handle the ball far more than that. So that, to me, I think was even more confusing than taking out the jet motions, the orbit motions, just some kind of pre-snap motion, because that kind of has been a staple of this team during losses over the last two seasons now that that sort of fades away out of the game plan once things get rolling or descending downhill anyway. And then you wonder, well, where did all that go? It feels like they're getting out of the offense and then things start to spiral from there. You would think, or at least my dumb guy on the couch brain would think, in a situation where your offense cannot get anything going, even if you can't make it work with the run game itself, just find ways to get the ball in your best player's hands. You know, it's not just Aaron Jones either. You know, Devontae ends up five catches, 56 yards, had that one phenomenal catch, which was unbelievable, by the way, in the first half, the late hands to reach out between two defenders. That was awesome. But he was held in check aside from that one play. Aaron Jones barely touches the ball. MVS, we talked about him last week, how I think he's going to be an X factor for this entire season. I loved early in the game down fourth and one, they throw to him on that little quick play into the left slot. I thought, wow, that is a lot of trust. And we talked about that, how Rodgers and his relationship has kind of developed this offseason. That's a lot of trust to show in a guy who's had concentration issues. And that's great. I thought, oh, wow, that's that's awesome. Trusting him in a big spot early on. Great. Has three catches for 17 yards. That's not the kind of line you ever want to see out of Marquez Valdez. Can't like if he's only going to get you 17 yards on three catches, not even six yards a catch. I would just try, keep trying to feed him, keep throwing him screens, do something, middle screens, anything to just try to get him the ball, see if his speed can take over. And the same goes for Aaron Jones, because we know he's got the capability to break off big plays. So just find a way to get him the ball. If the run game is not working, just spread him out, get him in the slot, get him running routes out of the backfield, spread him out wide. He can handle that just fine. So That would be the number one thing for me. Although I do also want to touch on, Matt, you bring up discipline. And I think there were certain elements of the game where I thought they actually showed great discipline. Like Alvin Kamara, for example, at least at first blush when watching the game, I thought they did a tremendous job on Kamara, at least in the running game. It felt honestly more like Tony Jones was the one who was gashing them in between the tackles for decent runs. Tony Jones for five yards, Tony Jones for another six yards. Well, why is that happening? Because then they would hand it off to Kamara. And I'm specifically thinking about the first half here. I'm smothered for three. Maybe he gets four. Dean Lowry is mixed in on a play because Lord knows he did not have an especially good week one down in Jacksonville and thought, wow, okay, this looks like it was clearly a focus. Make sure he does not beat you as badly as he did last season. That seemed like the concentration was there for that. But then as you're focusing all that attention there, you're again getting beaten by Tony Jones. You're letting Jameis Winston run for 25 yards. And and Jameis, he's not a sprinter. And Troy Aikman, I thought it was hilarious during the broadcast, made it clear. He is not fast. He's not a runner by any means. He's a good athlete, but Mm -hmm. he's not fast by any means. He's galloping like a damn baby giraffe in the middle of the field, and there's no one close to him. Like They focus so closely, it felt like. And again, this is just first initial thoughts. But they focus so closely on a couple things that they let everything else fall apart. And I think it just deteriorated from there. And it shows you how quickly things can change because I felt like going into halftime, you have the Mason Crosby field goal and you think, okay, well, great. There's, there, there's something. And then the first drive of the second half is wonderful. And then Rogers allegedly takes a shot in the crotch and double shot in the crotch and gets picked off and it just all deteriorates from there. So 
for me, what I'm looking toward this week is the discipline. I agree with you, especially on the defensive side. You cannot let guys who shouldn't beat you be the ones who beat you. Okay, you you can't let Jared Goff go run for 50 yards in this game. You know, you can't let a very poor wide receiver core for Detroit, because I don't think anyone would dispute that. I don't think Lions fans would dispute that. They do not have a good wide receiver core. Can't let guys like that go off and have huge games against you. I think the discipline specifically for the defense and play calling, the, the discipline in the play calling to not get out of your stuff, that happens so often for this team in losses in recent years. If you can avoid that, at the very least, you should be in every game. And if you can stick to it, not to take a huge risk here and have something that comes back and bites me, because again, we were so confident last week. But if you stick with it, I don't see many avenues in which Detroit could end up winning this game on Monday. I don't either. I mean, they they do have some dynamic players, all right? I think I've said this for years. This is before I even had a microphone. And I, I love what you said. You say your couch brain, your football couch brain i think that's a i think that's a great great analogy or just a great reference to make so like even before i had a podcast or was doing any sort of stuff on twitter like i always felt like the packers struggled versus dynamic running backs that can catch and run a la alvin kamara they like you said kind of boxed him a little bit which was great but they'd struggle with guys like tj hawkinson and that's kind of my fear is that Granted, they have no receiving core. I mean, Quintus Cephas, like, shout out Wisconsin Badgers, but, like, he's 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 not that great. But Hawkinson and what DeAndre Swift did in his, you know, one reception he had for that long touchdown run, it does bring some concern to me. I think Hawkinson for sure is going to have a good game. Maybe I'm biased because I have him in fantasy, but I think he's, he's a solid player and definitely has some matchup problems for the Packers. But I, I do think if they stick to what – they it, and like you said, if they can shut down Alvin Kamara, they should be able to shut down TJ Hawkinson. You would think. I mean, completely different skill set, but definitely their number one offensive player. And they did a fairly good job against Kamara, like you mentioned. So I hope that's the case. I hope they're able to scheme that better. Um, Joe Barry's defense. I had mentioned, I think, last week in in this episode of the podcast in our Pack a Day episode of the podcast that you know let's let's be let's be leery that this is a first year defense. It's going to take time to figure out lineback inside linebacking core is a little bit weak as far as you know i mean don devondre campbell's new chris barnes hasn't played too many snaps the secondary is a little suspect at times on the edge outside of jair so i think it's going to take time for that to get in the rhythm but i hope they're able to scheme around a guy like hawkinson and deandre swift and and make you know make jared goff stand in the pocket and throw it right they didn't have any sacks this last week unfortunately the packers didn't i imagine they get one this week against jared goff i think i think if you let jared goff try to beat you you're in a you know great position to be but a lot of fighting those lines at this point and it, it makes you if that's the 60 minutes of tape you have right now for them well so be it i think that you should take enough away from that be like hey we can't we can't come out and take these guys lightly because the last time we did that too we got our we got our asses kicked i think hawkinson for me is the number one matchup that worries you specifically when the defense is on the field because if he ends up in a matchup with with alexander for example and i don't know exactly how the lions are going to try to use him in this game but Okay, yeah, you feel great about that. Or one of the safeties, assuming that everyone is is feeling healthy and up to it, you feel okay with those guys, at least in the area of TJ Hawkinson. But he is an unbelievable athlete. I mean, when he came out a couple of years ago, I remember it was a very common mock draft pick, and there was so much talk that, well, the Packers could really use a tight end. Maybe TJ Hawkinson's the guy, even if you have to take him super early in the draft. And obviously the Packers are happy in who they have now starting a tight end, really that entire tight end room, starting with Robert Tunyon. 
But Hawkinson is a great athlete. He's got good hands. He's got speed. He's got size. He's durable. He's strong. I mean, he's the total package at tight end, and he is, I think, by far the best offensive weapon for that team. So for a defense that in recent history has really struggled against good tight ends and dynamic athletes like that, that's going to be a major concern. So I think for me, defensively, that's the number one guy. But like I said before, you can't end up having it like last week where it felt like Alvin Kamara got bottled up pretty well, and then everybody else was beating you all over the field. If you take away TJ Hawkinson and nothing else, DeAndre Swift is a decent running back, old friend Jamal Williams, friend of the website. I mean, that is a player who is capable of doing good things. We know that all too well. By the way, incredibly fascinating that he is getting close to NFL history in terms of the number of carries he's had without a career fumble. Absolutely insane. And I think he's 24 carries away, maybe 25. Just unbelievable durability and unbelievable hands for Jamal Williams. But you see my point. I mean, they've got guys who you just can't let them beat you. So take away the best option but also don't let guys who should just be role players or role players adjacent be the ones who kill you. A matchup also to watch, just one that I think maybe a little bit low-key, but I think given the struggles the offensive line at times had this past week, Aleem McNeil, starting nose tackle, he's a rookie for Detroit. That is going to be an interesting matchup against the youth up front for the Packers with Royce Newman, who did not have a good week one. I I agree with you. I think Josh Myers was fine. You've also got Lucas Patrick over there, and we know what Lucas Patrick is at this point at the guard spot. Aleem McNeil is another amazing athlete, and I did the defensive tackle, uh, the interior defensive lineman draft previews for Game on Wisconsin before the draft this year, and he showed up on tape when he was at North Carolina State, and oh my God, this dude is, is a monster in terms of just his athletic gifts. And he fits in perfectly with this scheme the Lions run. He's a perfect nose in a 3-4. I think he might be able to create some havoc in the middle. So the matchup of that youthful, inexperienced interior offensive line against an also inexperienced but great athlete across the formation uh, in Aleem McNeil, the nose tackle for the Lions, I think that's one to watch when the Packers are on offense in this one. So let's get to a prediction for this week, Matt, because I... I don't want to be super confident because it came back to bite both mm-hmm. of us so badly last week, but how do you see this one unfolding and what is it going to take for you to feel a little bit more comfortable after the complete disaster that happened last week? Comfortable, I guess a couple touchdowns by the Packers. That'd be nice. That would, that would make me comfortable. That's for sure. Uh, to stick in the game for at least, I guess the full 60 minutes would be great. I think looking at what the Lions did last week, you know, some a lot of those points were in garbage time, the 33 that they scored. I'm going to go, I'm going to say 24-17 Packers. And I'm absolutely 100% gun shy by my prediction last week. Oh, was it 34-14, 31-14, something along those lines. So I, I'm a little gun shy by that pick. And I think it was naive of me to think that offense would be running so smoothly. But I think it was like like we started this episode. It was very, very optimistic. And you looked at all the pieces they had. It made sense that was going to work. And I, and I think right now, you just got to remember that this has happened in the past. The Packers are going out to slow starts. We've been told to relax. And they've ran the table and done all that shit. So it's like, let's let's maybe just taper expectations a little bit. But I'm going to go 24-17. I think the Lions put up a hell of a fight. Um, I'm interested to see what sort of Lions team we see you know we mentioned DeAndre Swift Jamal Jamal Williams TJ Hawkinson I mean they both had eight receptions last week they they totaled for over 30 
targets. I mean, that's that's a hell of a lot from two running backs and two tight ends. So I think they're going to rely on that a lot. And like I mentioned, I think that that does make some matchup problems for the Packers. So I'll say 24-17. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a little bit wider, wider margin, but I think it's going to take a little while for this offense to get going from the Packers and with an absolutely gritty Dan Campbell team. And it seems right now, based off of their first 60 minutes, Dan Campbell's got a squad that at least believes in him. Um, what are your thoughts? I think... Honestly, 24-17 is a pretty good number. I was going to put a little bit more on the offense. I'll I'll give it 20, I'll give it 28-21. Because I think this Lions team is going to to hang around and it's a huge spread on this game. I don't know if you looked at the opening line. Ten a, and a half points. Yeah. I think it moved to eleven at one point too. So that's that seems that seems outrageous to me based off of what the Lions did and how they fought last week and then what the Packers got blown out by. But yeah, that's that's a lot of points, man. It's a, a ton of points, and I know on paper it makes sense because this Lions roster is not good. They've got a new coach who is, at least, again, on paper, seems more of the rah-rah guy than the X's and O's guy, and the Packers have all this firepower, great coaching, quarterback, everything, etc. But based on the tape, based on what we saw in week one from both of these teams, I think there's reason to be concerned. I feel as though this is going to be a better week. If it's not, then I... I hate to say, you know, panic button time in week two because that's so early. And again, you've got 17 games to figure this out. But if you come out that flat in week one, and then if you double down and do it again in week two against a, at least talent-wise, severely inferior team in Detroit, I think you're going to have major issues that at that point is just an inconvenient truth that we're all going to have to confront. Although I do feel more confident in this. And uh, Andy Herman had this on Twitter on Sunday after the game against uh, the Saints. And in the Matt LaFleur era, after regular season losses, 10-point win, 8-point win, 18-point win, 15-point win, 17-17. So on average, after losses under Matt LaFleur, the Packers have won 33-19 to the next week, which is extremely encouraging. I think this week feels a little bit different because it is week one, or just after week one, I should say. And when you get hit that hard to start the season and you're so excited and then you just get all of it knocked out of you, it just feels a little bit different. But I'm encouraged by the history, the recent history under LaFleur that this team has bounced back well. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to look better. We haven't really touched on that because I don't think it's time to be in panic mode about 12 either. But let's also not kid ourselves. He looked like garbage in week one. And I think he's going to be better. I'm an extremely optimistic person. I'm an extremely optimistic Packers fan and watcher. So I think he is going to be fine. I have no reason to believe he is now turning into end of career Peyton Manning or final season in Minnesota, Brett Favre or anything. But this is a big opportunity for him too. I don't know if he cares about all the noise on the outside. I kind of have the indication he does or the inkling he does anyway. This is a big opportunity for him. I'm confident he is going to look better and Frankly, for this team's sake, I hope they do too, because otherwise you're not feeling all that great uh, if you have another strugglesome game against a team that, again, is at least talent-wise severely below your level. That little nugget there from the Podfather that makes me feel a lot better, to be honest. And that 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 margin of almost two score or it is two scores seems like we should have gone a little bit wider. So I, I expect expect you know the way Dan Campbell's got his Lions team playing. What we saw, I think Matt Lafleur get these guys to rebound in. I can't imagine that there was a lot of great conversations being had this week because I think there was a lot of egos that are probably crushed a little bit, a lot of humbling that happened um, throughout film study and everything else under the sun. So it's hopefully some of that is on Aaron Rodgers. I think 
once in a while he does get a little bit too big for himself. And I think this might have been a game where it's like, all right, dude, come back to reality a little bit. You 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 didn't look that great. Can blame it on a couple different things here and there that are surrounding you. But I think overall it's everyone had a little dose of reality down in Jacksonville. And the one great thing too is Packers usually don't play great down in Florida. I think now Rodgers is, what, three and five in his career down in Florida, so take that for what you will. But overall, I, I think it's just one of those games where we're, it's, it's great that you're playing the Lions. It's awesome, but let's let's get some stuff figured out because we've got a tough stretch coming here. Niners, Steelers, Bengals, Bears, Washington, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a couple winnable games in there, but you're definitely getting to the, the, the first tough stretch of your uh, – of your season. Yeah, it's really put up or shut up time early on. And not to say that it, it's the be all end all stretch of the season, but like you said, a lot of tests early. San Francisco's a good team. Pittsburgh's defense was unbelievable in week one, shutting down the Buffalo offense. Washington's got a very good defense as well. So, yeah, a lot of interesting matchups and good to get off on a good foot here in week two after you struggled so much in week one. We'll be following along with the game coming up on Monday night. Make sure you're following both of us on Twitter. You can follow Matt at Matt underscore FRA underscore. I'm on Twitter at Brendan DZW. But Matt, before we go, you've got all the details because before we get to Monday night's game, there is a pretty damn cool opportunity. We talked about it last week, but um, if you're a Packers fan and you are living in the greater Green Bay area, the greater whole state of Wisconsin area at this point, you don't want to miss what game on Wisconsin's putting on before Monday night football. Yeah. And it's not the Jake Owen concert. It's not the canceled Alan Jackson concert that <laughs> got shut down. It's, it's the game on Wisconsin live show and party at the Green Bay distillery on Sunday, September 19th from three to seven. We got live auction raffle. If you can't make it in person, we got a website. You can go raffle on there. We're going to have some free stuff. We're going to have some drink tickets, drink prizes. You get to meet Anyone that's within Packers Twitter that lives, like Brendan said, like within the vicinity, I think if you live within 30, 45, maybe down to Milwaukee, two hours, it might be worth your trek up. Hotels are at a minimum, but, you know, come make the stop up from three to seven and it's going to be a fun time. There's going to be a ton of people. I know we got people flying in from Arizona. We got other people coming up from Chicago. A lot of guys are coming from Illinois that are part of Game on Wisconsin and gals. So it's going to be a hell of a time, man. It's it's funny. Uh, I was recording a Pack-A-Day podcast with uh, Jason Perone and Paul Bredelas this last week, and Jason's coming in for the game from Arizona, and he's like, you know, I just need everyone to wear their Twitter handles as their name takes. That's the only way I'm going to know some of these people, right? So it's going to be a blast. I'm excited to get out there. It's it's I haven't seen some of these people in a long time, never even met some of them, but I've had relationships with them on Twitter for a number of years, even before Pack-A-Day, which is just bizarre. So it's going to be a blast. It's supposed to be excellent weather, too. They got a really cool patio set up at the distillery that we're probably going to be able to open some of their garage doors and have the the crisp fall breeze uh, blow in. So it's going to be a hell of a time. I'm pretty excited for it, but it should be a blast. So 3 to 7 Green Bay Distillery on Sunday. Come on out. Say hi. Introduce yourselves. We're all strangers to each other, essentially, besides Twitter. So it's going to, it's going to be a blast, and there's some stuff you could get for free, honestly, showing up and some pretty cool giveaways. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely awesome again at the Green Bay Distillery. Meet Matt, meet so many members of the Game on Wisconsin crew. It's going to be a great time. That's coming up Sunday from 3 to 7 up in Green Bay. That's going to be awesome. Until next time, this is the Final Dump Podcast brought to you by Game on Wisconsin. For Matt Fralick, I'm Brendan Drozinski. Enjoy the party coming up on Sunday in Green Bay. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Hopefully, we'll have a much more positive spin on things coming up next week on the Final Dump. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have just given me a touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand that. That was a good effort, though, wasn't it? It was a pretty good effort.